Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Nanosonics Limited 2022 Half-Year Results and Investor Call. All participants are in a listen-only mode. There will be a presentation followed by a question and answer session. If you wish to ask a question, you will need to press the star key followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Your speakers today are Michael Kavanagh, Managing Director and CEO, and McGregor Grant, CFO and Company Secretary. I will now like to hand the comment over to Mr. Kavanagh. Please go ahead. Thank you very much and a very good morning everybody and thank you all for joining the call this morning. Um, I'm joined here by McGregor Grant, our CFO. Well, earlier this month, as part of the announcement on the revised sales model in North America, we did provide our revenue number for the first half being 60.6 million, which was up 41% on prior corresponding period. And in today's half-year results announcement and the corresponding investor presentation, we provide uh, more granular details regarding uh, the performance over the first half. There is a lot of information provided, especially in the investor presentation, that I encourage you to have a look at. However, if I distill it down, there are really three key takeaway messages, I believe, from the first half results. And, and the first is, despite the disruption in the markets associated with the Delta variant and most recently the Omicron variant that saw record high COVID case numbers, the business still maintained the positive momentum that we had achieved in the second half of the last financial year. So that we were very pleased with that result. The second insight, I think, is that the, the COVID impacts themselves, they, they certainly varied in timing and severity across the different markets. And indeed, there wasn't a predictable universal response to the situation. However, in general, what we saw and experienced was the market conditions improving between the first quarter where the Delta variant was the predominant variant, and then the second quarter, which saw the emergence of the Omicron variant, uh, even though there were spikes in case numbers associated with Omicron. So we saw we saw a, an improving situation across the quarters. And there did seem to be an acceptance that while Omicron was more transmissible, it was clinically less severe, and it also coincided, of course, with vaccination numbers that were a lot higher and indeed booster vaccination rolling out. So that's perhaps why we did start seeing uh, some good recoveries between the first and the second quarter as well. Um, so importantly, those improvements that we saw between the two quarters, um, they have continued into the start of the second half, where the market seems to be moving to a more endemic management versus pandemic management uh, system with restrictions definitely easing significantly. Of course, we do have to remain cognizant of the general pressures that high caseloads of COVID have on hospital systems and uh, on staff shortages within hospitals as well, uh, but hopefully we see that continue to improve. Um, the third message really is that our forward-looking growth agenda, it has not changed. We continue to invest in the growth opportunities for the Trophon franchise globally, which we believe is significant, as well as our product expansion plans, in particular Audit Pro, which was recently launched in North America, as well, of course, our next product platform, our Chorus uh, product platform for endoscopy reprocessing, where development activities continue to progress well. So I'll provide a, a bit more detail on each of these and then hand over for questions. 
And combining the first two messages together, I guess, um, the global installed base, it increased by 1,410 units to what is now 28,160 units globally. And that represented an increase of 12% over the last 12 months and 5% in the last six months. While the number of new installed base units in the half was down by approximately 200 units or so over the last half, this was mainly attributed to the first quarter uh, installations, which I've mentioned that was the quarter most impacted uh, due to the Delta variant. There was then a recovery in the second quarter, which saw new installed base grow about 14% uh, quarter on quarter. So, and as I mentioned, that positive growth between the quarters has continued so far into the second half. Looking at that, the overall installed base by region in North America, the installed base there in the half increased by 1,200 units, where there's now 24,680 uh, units uh, in the market. That represents a a 12% increase in the last 12 months and 5% in the last six months. And that North American installed base, uh, it now represents approximately just over 40% of the estimated total addressable market of 60,000 units. Um, so that's about 24, over 24,500 units spread across 5,000 facilities. So it certainly is uh, establishing itself if not considered uh, the standard of care and continuing to grow quite nicely over there. In the Europe and Middle East region, um, the installed base increased 140 units in the half, where there's now 1,650 units. Um, and that in total installed base has grown 25% now in the last 12 months and uh, just under 10% in the last six months. And the first quarter in particular was significantly impacted um, where lockdowns and hospital restrictions were in place in the majority of the key markets. But interestingly, we did see quite a significant recovery uh, in the second quarter as those market restrictions eased. And almost 80% actually of the, the total new installed base um, in the first half was achieved in the second quarter. And again, like in America, we're seeing uh, continued progress, uh, positive progress in terms of installed base uh, in Europe as we're now into the second half. In Asia-Pacific, the installed base grew 70 units in the half to where there's now 1,830 units in the region where the total installed base has now grown 10% in the last 12 months and, and 4% in the last six months. I guess we were all living through the restrictions that uh, we all face uh, over the six months in the first half here in Australia and New Zealand. We also had a good uptake of upgrades in North America uh, in the first half, and where, as you know, there is a significant opportunity exists for upgrades. There's now approximately 7,000 units uh, of the older Trophon EPR have reached seven years of age, so they're certainly a high target for upgrades. And in total, just under 400 uh, upgrades were sold, which was up over 100, about 125% or so on the last half. So, Certainly, the upgrade opportunity and upgrade sales are uh, beginning to uh, generate some momentum behind them. Uh, moving on to revenue, 
total revenue for the half, as you know, was uh, 60.6 million. That was up 41% on PCP, and we were able to maintain um, that revenue level the same as the last half, despite the um, adverse conditions with COVID. So where it was just slightly up on the last half. Breaking the 60.6 million uh, in total revenue down, capital revenue for the half was 19 million. And that was up over just over 100% on, on prior corresponding period and 10% compared with the prior half. And that capital revenue, of course, includes revenue associated with new installed base as well as upgrade sales. Um, total revenue for consumables and service for the half was 41.6 million. And that was up 23% on the prior corresponding period, but slightly down 3% compared with the prior half. And that 3% reduction, it does reflect, obviously, some uh, disruption on ultrasound procedure volumes associated with the increasing infection rates from the Delta and Omicron variants. But also, this time around, we saw the impact of the Delta variant and Omicron variant impacting hospital staff availability, which I think has been in the commentary for most uh, organizations. And, and this was uh, experienced in particular in North America. Um, looking at North America itself, the total revenue for the half was 54.4 million. That was up 47% on, on PCP and uh, just up 4% compared to the prior half. Capital revenue for the half in North America was 17.4 million, um, and that was up 140, just over 140% on on PCP, and and up 20% or 23% compared with the uh, prior half. And again, that increase in capital revenue includes the ongoing increase in new installed base and the, the growth in the sale of upgrades, which demonstrates the importance and the opportunity that exists for upgrades, which are now gaining momentum. Uh, revenue associated with consumables and service for the half was 37.0 million, which was up 25% on, on PCP, but as mentioned, it was 3% down on the prior half for the reasons I've already mentioned. In Europe and Middle East, the total revenue for the half was just under 3.5 million. That was down 6% on PCP. And that reduction was primarily associated with a reduction in capital revenue, because consumables was actually up slightly. And that reduction in capital revenue was due to the impact, again, of the restrictions associated with, with in particular, the Delta variant, um, and hit mostly in the first quarter. And despite the Omicron variant coming in the uh, second quarter, the restrictions did ease, and that the new installed base numbers recovered significantly in the second quarter, and almost 80% of the first half uh, new installed base was actually recorded in the second quarter. And as mentioned again, uh, we're seeing good momentum continuing in Europe as we're now into the second half. Consumables and service revenue was 2.6 million for the half, and that was up 24% on prior corresponding period, and just up under 10% compared with the prior half. Um, where it doesn't seem that the ultrasound procedure volumes 
they, they don't seem to have been significantly impacted throughout the half despite the actual restrictions that was, uh, existed in the market. Uh, in Asia-Pacific, the total revenue for the half was $2.8 million. That was up 8% on prior corresponding period, but it was actually down 32% with the prior half. Uh, to explain that, the, the primary driver of the revenue being down in Asia-Pacific was the one-off sale of the 200 Trophon 2 upgrade units that took place in the last half. And if we exclude upgrades, capital revenue and H1 of FY22 um, was actually flat compared to the prior half, which wasn't too bad considering, again, the restrictions that uh, everybody on the call would have experienced here in Australia in particular. Um, revenue from consumables and service was $2 million, which was up 5% on the prior corresponding period and just down about 5% as well compared with the prior half, again associated with the uh, restrictions and the impact of those on uh, the ultrasound procedures. But overall, um, it remains pretty flat um, compared to last half when you exclude um, the upgrades. Then the third message was really our, our forward-looking growth agenda. It certainly continues, and we continue to invest in the growth opportunities for Trophon franchise globally, which we believe are quite significant, as well, of course, as our product expansion plans. And in the first half, our operating expenditure was $42.7 million, which was up 29% versus prior corresponding period and 13% on last half. But as you will all be aware, the, when you look at the OPEX um, in the last half of last year, particularly the um, last quarter, the OPEX then was just over 20 million. So we were on the, the run rate that we exited the uh, last half on. Uh, included in that 42.7 million was 10.7 million in R&D, and that was up just over 40% versus PCP and 11% versus prior half. Um, as you're aware, the company, we announced the launch of Audit Pro um, in the last half, which is a, a new infection prevention digital uh, product platform that's used for traceability, reporting, and compliance. And that was um, launched at the APIC conference at the end of June in 2021, which subsequent uh, customer introductions to the product commencing around the September timeframe. The first sales of that product have commenced with the interest for the product and the pipeline for sales actually continuing to grow quite strongly. There are um, a number of new stakeholders in the sales process for Audit Pro, in particular the IT department being a digital solution uh, within the hospitals and which all require customer security reviews. So when we're, when hospitals are looking to order, we have to do uh, some detailed customer security uh, reviews. And while we have the necessary security measures in place from a data protection perspective uh, to streamline the process of responding to all the individual requests, we are now also working towards ISO 27001 accreditation, which is the internationally accepted standard for the management of information security, which will streamline the, the turnaround of the customer security assessment requests, as well as set the organization up for future developments in the data space of infection prevention, of course. And progress certainly does continue in our activities 
associated with the company's new Enscope reprocessing uh, product platform, the Nanasonics Chorus, and our continued performance with, with that technology uh, continues to demonstrate the product exceeding all the standards for cleaning outcomes, including the most difficult soils and importantly across all the complex uh, channels of an endoscope. So that uh, product is uh, progressing quite nicely. Um, we will continue our investments for growth in the uh, second half across R&D as well as the broader operations in the business, um, where the overall OPEX expected now for the year to be approximately 93 million or so, including, and that does include the extra investments we're making as a result of the revised sales model in North America. Um, a few comments on some of the other key financial metrics. Um, gross margin for the half was uh, 77%, which was a, a good outcome. The profit before tax was 3.3 million for the half. That was up from 0.2 million in the, the prior corresponding period. And at the end of December, the company had 92 million in cash and cash equivalents, and uh, the company has no debt. Um, a few other quick updates, then I'll hand over for any questions. Uh, first of all, our new corporate headquarters, uh, which we are moving to and preparing to move to a new headquarters in the Macquarie Park uh, precinct in Sydney. This will take place in the fourth quarter um, of this year, and all the preparations for this move uh, are progressing well. The move itself is into two adjacent buildings, one that will accommodate our headquarter offices and administrative functions, and the other our R&D and manufacturing facility. And what this move will result in is a significant expansion uh, of our R&D capability with the establishment of new state-of-the-art laboratories in microbiology, chemistry, and engineering. And it's actually going to deliver a threefold increase in capacity for ongoing research and development. A significant expansion of the manufacturing capacity is also underway uh, to support the growing global demand for Trophon and, of course, the company's expanding product portfolio plans. And we're very pleased that the, the growth of the organization has been recognized by the New South Wales government and the move and expansion of our facility is being supported by a government grant through the New South Wales Government Jobs Plus program, which is facilitated by Investments at New South Wales. A brief update on the transition to the revised sales model in North America that we announced uh, two weeks ago. And as a reminder, uh, Nanasonics and GE, we have revised the current North American sales model, and that's effective now from February through to the end of the current distribution agreement with GE that ends in June uh, this year. And discussions are underway for a new reseller agreement that would come into effect from the 1st of July 2022 and, and be based on this new revised sales, mo sales model. And under this uh, revised sales model, what GE are doing now, they will consume all their inventory and transition to uh, what's called a pass-through sales model for its ongoing sales of Trophon. 
And the revised sales model will see Nanasonics then manage all inventory, will ship, install, and train the, the new GE Trophon customers, which will then become Nanasonics customers for the ongoing provision of all consumables. And GE were also, they are currently now, have commenced the transition of all existing uh, GE Trophon customers to Nanasonics for the ongoing provision of consumables. So what this means is from FY23, in addition to 100% of the sales of consumables to be made by Nanasonics direct operations, an increase in the proportion of new installed base and upgrades is expected to be made through the direct channel. And over time, this is expected to result in a corresponding increase in revenue and margin for the company. The Transition plans are now well underway and progressing well. Nanasonics, we already have an extensive sales capability with 21 sales territories already established across the United States, um, over 50 sales people and clinical people across those territories, and we will add some new sales people and clinical headcount into a number of those territories. Uh, recruitment is already underway for those and offers made in many cases uh, to those roles, so we feel confident of having the necessary sales infrastructure in place and in full. Uh, the company, we also have a very well-established and experienced logistics operation based in Indianapolis, uh, which will ensure continuity of supply to customers, and the current logistics facility in Indianapolis is, is over 20,000 square feet and uh, increased warehouse capacity uh, through new racking, etc., has already been implemented with the opportunity to expand capacity further if that is required. At this moment, we don't believe it is required. So finally, in terms of um, some updates to some of the guidance for the year, and um, despite the inherent risks and uncertainties associated with COVID-19, we remain optimistic. What seems to be a shift from pandemic to endemic management measures coming through now uh, that will continue to improve the market conditions and further enable uh, increased capital and consumables growth to end customers. And as announced two weeks ago, there will be a revenue impact of between 13 and $16 million associated with the transition to the revised North American model. And that is primarily associated with GE transitioning to a non stocking distributor. As I mentioned, they're currently consuming inventory and then move to a pass-through. Um, we do, however, expect installed base to continue to grow, procedural volumes to continue to improve, leading to further growth in consumable sales to customers and uh, further growth in upgrades. We had a, a strong first half and we expect to continue to see good uh, upgrade growth again in the second half, albeit there's some of the anticipated growth that we had for the second half will probably defer to FY23 due to the transitioning sales model in North America, but we still expect to see good uh, upgrade volumes coming through in the second half. The gross profit margin should be approximately 75%, and that takes the product mix and certain component costs and freight costs being absorbed due to ongoing supply chain challenges that the company is managing well, and we're still able to to uh, manufacture and deliver in full on time to customer demand. 
Um, but we do have to manage, like all companies, the um, freight, and there are certain components where the COGS have gone up um, at this stage. And operating expenses, as I mentioned, they are expected to be approximately 93 million uh, for the year, which does include the incremental costs associated with the transition to the revised sales model uh, in North America. So I'll pause there, and with that, I'll hand over for any questions. Thank you. If you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. If you wish to cancel your request, please press star 2. If you're on a speakerphone, please pick up the handset to ask your question. Your first question comes from Josh Kanarakis from Baron Joey. Please go ahead. Hi, Michael and McGregor. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, first question, just with regard to the OPEX outlook, could you give us a little bit of a feeling for the medium-term outlook for OPEX and just maybe some extra context around within those numbers how it's sort of broken up between maybe the core business and some new products and the transition costs as well. Okay, Josh, um, yeah, thanks. Um, so the, of the, the 93 million or so, or the, or the first half OPEX, um, about 10 million of that's R&D. And so uh, if you analyse that, um, you've got the sort of the proportion of, of uh, OPEX split between R&D and, and OPEX, uh, and non-R&D and non OPEX. And so um, the significant proportion of our cost is related to headcount, um, you know, at least uh, two-thirds of that. Um, and whilst we, we've seen a significant growth in OPEX between um, FY21 to FY22, which is really associated with uh, growth and in investment in our uh, sales capability in Europe, uh, and of course now some further expansion in North America, together with uh, investment into supporting developing the markets in China and Japan and so on. But we're seeing a, a significant growth for FY22. I don't expect that we will see the same level of growth into, into FY23, because we've made a significant investment during this period. So, I think the growth will be uh, more modest than what we've seen in the, in the what we've we'll seen this year. Uh, and as I said, the majority of that increase is, is in uh, you know, in the front end of the business uh, within the regions. But there is some, of course, some incremental cost in the back end as well. Got it. And just on that, McGregor, in terms of, I guess, you know, Chorus and some of the new product initiatives around Audit Pro, you know, is there any extra context you can give us around that in terms of whether or not the, the cost base is right-sized, you know, to facilitate those those products in market and how we should be thinking about, you know, the timing of potential other costs coming in in relation to products like Chorus? Yeah, I think, you know, when we, when we get to bring Chorus to the, the market, um, the, obviously, there'll be incremental marketing costs that will go with the introducing and launch costs that will go with introducing a product to market um, at that point in time. Um, the, you know, the, the channel model or how we go to market is, hasn't been disclosed at, at this stage, but you can imagine, you know, you, you've seen what we do around the world globally with Trophon, so it, it's, it's presumably may not be too dissimilar of, of having a hybrid model between direct and potentially um, um, distributor partners in, in different parts of the world. So there, there will be, you know, an, an incremental but not a, a wholesale let's replicate what we're doing with Tropon now for the introduction of a new product. 
Fantastic. Thanks. And just final question for me, just around the cash flow, I imagine some of the increase in inventories and the like was related potentially to, you know, GE and stocking, you know, coming up for this half. Could you give a little bit more context and just how, I guess, you're thinking about into the second half, sort of cash flows into the second half in like light of the change in the revised GE agreement? Yeah, thanks, Josh. Um, so, uh, first of all, the um, you, you would have seen, if you've seen the balance sheet, um, our, our inventory holdings have increased uh, somewhat um, since uh, June, and that has been a deliberate um, uh, decision on our part to uh, carry more inventory, particularly in the field, uh, as a contingency for these sort of interruptions in freight and so on. Um, in terms of uh, the inventory that we have in the supply chain to support the transition from GE to the direct team, we don't see a, direct, a significant impact of that because um, the, the, the expectation is that the, the, the sales of new store base and upgrades will continue to grow um, and we'll need to carry inventory for that. Um, so we, we may carry a little bit more ourselves, but I don't think it'll be hugely significant given that we are carrying quite a bit more inventory already in the field. Um, so I think uh, uh, that that's probably you know, how that one's going to play out. You asked a question about cash flow as well. I'll just touch on that. Um, so clearly that growth in inventory has had an impact on cash flow. Uh, and the other impact on cash flow in the half has been um, a bit of the capex that we've been spending on the fit out of, our, of the new headquarters. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. I'll give someone else a go. Thank you. Your next question comes from Joshua Ting from Bank of America Securities. Please go ahead. Good morning, Michael and McGregor, and uh, thanks for taking my questions. I was hoping you could just speak a little about the new agreement and with uh, Nanasonic's taking over the customer relationship. If you could give us a little bit of colour on how the strategy might change in relation to uh, upgrades and how bringing that in-house and Anasonics might be able to look to increase the upgrade rates? Yeah, but thanks for the question. The, the majority of the upgrade opportunities that exist in North America are actually associated with um, existing GE Trofund customers. And the reason for that is uh, we only went direct in North America about five, six years ago. Um, so what's happening is one of the benefits of GE transitioning all the existing GE customers across Nanasonics for the ongoing provision of consumables is we'll be setting up the accounts, we'll be servicing those accounts, and we'll certainly be able to go in and drive the upgrades uh, cycle and hopefully rate of adoption of upgrades amongst um, the customer group. And what comes then for the company with that, obviously, is a, an improvement in margin, um, as there won't be a distributor margin associated. I mean, GE can still sell upgrades, but we just imagine that the focus won't be on that. It'll be more on new install base associated with um, the sale of ultrasound. So we expect to see the lion's share of upgrades coming through uh, the Nanasonics direct channel. Okay, great. And, and could you maybe, just following on from that, give a bit of an idea of, of what the average age of the devices that have been upgraded so far is. So now you sort of referenced that seven-year mark. Uh, is that the, the age that you are seeing in the last half? Yeah, it, it would be older. Well, probably around that, and some actually a few younger and, and 
some some a bit older, but it probably does average around that that seven years. Um, and what's what's happening and why it's important for us to um, you know and having the direct access to all the GE customers is a um, quite a decent percentage of new ID sales that are being made now are into hospitals um, or going deep into all the different departments within uh, existing hospitals where Trophon may be in one or two departments, but they've got four or five departments that should have Trophon. So we'll be going in and going deep within those, those accounts. And then, of course, when we're selling deep into those accounts with Trophon 2, we go through all the other departments that, that have the old Trophon EPRs to look to upgrade those. And if they're at five years plus, you know, they will be considered for upgrade. But on average, I believe at the moment, it is probably around that seven years. Great. Thanks. That's all from me. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Bosco Feng from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hi, Michael and McGregor. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Michael and McGregor. Can you hear me? Can I come yes, in? Yes, we can okay? hear you. Yep, we can hear you. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, can I just ask three today? Uh, the first one is, you previously guided to no disruption in consumables as a result of the revised sales model with GE in the U.S. Are you still yeah. maintaining the, that guidance today, considering the contract negotiations that have, might have taken place in the last two weeks or so? Yeah. Um, what's really important here is that both GE when we say no disruption in consumables, that's no disruption in sales of consumables to end customers. Uh, we need to, both companies need to ensure continuity of supply so that they can continue their, their clinical practice and their high-level disinfection requirements. So um, both companies are diligently working together to ensure that that does happen. We're, we don't see foresee any disruption in the ability to be able to supply either through us or either through GE. Uh, it's a transition process. It's not like it just all switches overnight. GE have uh, inventory of consumables, probably enough consumables to keep them going um, through a period of this half. And, and indeed, if the full transition isn't complete, um, after they've consumed those, they may need to purchase more if all, everything has been transitioned. But the, the general principle is really from a, a, a customer experience perspective to make sure um, both companies uh, ensure the continuity of supply, and we're confident with that. Can I just follow up on that? In terms of, in terms of the stock that GE is currently holding, can you give us a sense of how much stock they currently have, which is yet to be sold? Because on the previous call, you expressed a lot of confidence that de-stocking with GE won't impact FY23 sales, given the revision in the sales model. But do you still hold that view today, particularly given how strong capital sales has been over the period, with GE, again, counting for 53% of that? Yeah, no, what I said in the last call when we announced the revise is that there is an impact, that there's a, a you know, 13 to $16 million impact um, that will come through in this half. And that is really associated with that destocking and and where they're consuming their inventory of consumables, but then not replenishing. So normally they'd be just be continually replenishing their inventory, keeping their safety stock 
at a high at, at the proper levels. Uh, so there is going to be an impact on revenue, to be clear, uh, associated with, with that destocking. Got it. But no impact, no carryover impact into 23. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Then um, from, from 23, one thing that's going to be quite good about it is the revenue that is recognized then it will be um, almost one-to-one equivalent to the revenue, the sales that are to end customers. So there won't be the, the, that sort of inventory, those inventory uh, impacts that have always been there uh, in the past. Thank you. Your next question comes from John Copley from ENP. Please go ahead. Hi, Michael, and hi, McGregor. Um, thanks for taking the questions. Uh, first off, I just wanted to follow on uh, from the last set and just to round off my understanding on, on um, one of the key issues here. Uh, so are we to understand then that from FY23, GE, uh, sorry, Nanosonics will be able to meet all of the demand previously serviced by GE? Is that the upshot of what has been discussed today? Correct. Okay. All the customer, all the customer demand. Yes. All right. Excellent. Thank you. For, thank you for clarifying that. Um, then the other question was still on the GE side of things. Um, you said over time you expect man will see an uplift in the install base. Um, so in other words, growth in revenue, growth in the install base, um, and also an increase in margin. So is that expectation impacted? and how is it impacted by whether or not a pass-through sale agreement can be struck with GE? Um, I don't, it's it's not overly impacted as to whether or not a pass-through sales um, will go through GE or not. Our, our intention by increasing the uh, sales infrastructure that we have is we'll be able to um, return to that uh, pre-COVID 28 to 3,000 new install base number um, per annum, and we're, we're comfortable and confident that, uh, based on the market demand and the infrastructure that we have in place, we'll be able to achieve that. Um, just to go back to your first point with respect to the increase in um, revenue, the, because where that's coming from is because more of the capital units now, both for a new installed base as well as for upgrade, are expected to come through the Nanophonics direct channel, well, then we get the corresponding margin uh, improvement on that as well um, because GE won't be selling it and, and we'll be selling it at a higher ASP than what we had been selling it to GE at. Okay, and are you able to quantify any um, any of that margin benefit? So on a on an upgrade, you can imagine it could be somewhere in the order of um, one and a half to two thousand dollars, and and um, similarly on a on a, a new install base. So there's there's, there's probably you know almost a, a two thousand um, dollar uplift per unit whether it's new IB or upgrades that will be coming towards now. Okay. And uh, sorry, perhaps I should have just clarified. Um, what about in terms of uh, gross margin and percentage terms? 
well, the, the growth margin percentage will increase uh, as a result of the uh, increase in price. And the growth margins, we've always talked about capital sales being a gross margin of around about the sort of mid 60s percent. Um, so that will most likely increase to something slightly over 70 percent. Okay, thank you. And um, the final one from me, just on your um, OPEX and gross margin guidance. So probably a two-part question here. Um, in terms of gross margin, you're guiding now to 75% for the year. Previously, I think that was greater than 75. Can you just confirm whether I'm correct there in that thinking? Um, and whether that implies then um, a gross margin separate half, you know, obviously under 75, is that the expectation? And the other side to that is um, on the OPEX front, uh, the previous guidance was... Um, 90 million. Then it was stated two weeks ago that there was an additional 1 million expected, so that brought us to 90 million. Uh, but now this has increased again to 93. So can you just let us know where that additional 2 million has come from and whether it will be one off or we should capitalize that going forward? Thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, just to the OPEX question, um, yeah, a couple of things here. So um, FX is, is, is having a bit of an impact on. Uh, on our OPEX numbers, that's working against us. And um, the, we had previously guided around the sort of 90, 91 million. Um, so, um, you know, if, when, you, when you take into account the extra million we've talked about, um, the, and in fact, the, the effect of that section that there really isn't anything else that's increasing uh, OPEX. And the first part of your question, just remind me again, John. Gross margin. Oh yes, um, yeah, we we did talk about it being over 75. Um, we weren't talking about it being you know 78. We were talking at, you know just just over 75. So 75 is where the number will land on a full year basis. Um, the impact of margin, uh, the, the impact, the things that are impacting margin will be in the second half. It's to do with the reduced sales that we've talked about. It's also to do with the ongoing increased costs. Um, around freight and um, and uh, our production volumes will be uh, slightly impacted, and so we'll we'll see slightly different uh, recovery outcomes. And component costs um, have increased a little bit as well. So the combination of all of those factors are, are uh, having us at around about 75 percent for the full year. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Josh Kanakaris from Baron Joey. Please go ahead. Hey guys, sorry. Uh, just wanted to have a quick follow up. Just with regard to the, the GE arrangement. So in terms of the customers, one I guess one key concern from people has been around you getting access to the individual customers. In terms of looking at the upgrades, if the service agreements are there in place, and there's a number of these units that have passed seven years, um, will you then take over some of the service arrangements and does that point of communication, I guess, enable you guys to sort of force or at least bring forward some of those upgrades in the market? Oh, I, I think the, uh, the service um, continues currently. Um, it will continue with GE, so they'll continue to provide service and um we'll still be able to provide the necessary service parts to see out those contracts. Um, as is customary, what generally happens is as units age 
And then as they come up towards the end of a service contract, um, well, then that's when uh, they're, they're really uh, a big opportunity to upgrade. Obviously, when we are in direct talking to these customers, we'll understand where they are if they do have a service contract, where, where they are in, in that cycle of that service contract. And um, then we can be able to push the, the uh, upgrades at that stage. Got it. And, and just a bit point of clarification in terms of the unit pricing that you mentioned, the uplift on the one and a half to two thousand. That's US dollars, I think, isn't it? Not Aussie. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Perfect. Just wanted to clarify that. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from John Hester from Bell Potter. Please go ahead. Yeah. Good morning. Thank you, um, Michael. Just a quick. Update, if you would, please, on Japan. You normally talk about that extensively. Um, where is that market development at? Yeah, John, we are, um, you know, continuing to work with the various societies. Unfortunately, the last six months, Japan has been in a state of emergency, so most things have been in lockdown. Pretty much every conference that was scheduled after has been cancelled. But we have still been able to continue to engage with key opinion leaders. There are some guidelines that are coming out now where high-level disinfection is beginning to be mentioned. Um, but we're very much looking forward to the markets opening up now in, in Japan and being able to, to get in there um, a lot more actively than we've been able to over the last uh, six months. But we have built up our infrastructure up there as well in the last um, – in the last six months, we have put on some new headcounts uh, to give us the, the reach both in sales and in clinical because education is critical up there. And um, so we're still confident in the opportunity in that market. Okay. And just moving on, just talking about order pay, you sort of mentioned it briefly earlier in the call, and you said that um, you know, various IT departments are getting involved in customer security assessment requests have been forthcoming. Um, can you just elaborate on those comments a bit? How many clients are you talking um, to about Audit Pro at the at the moment? I'm just sort of trying to get a sense of whether we should be sort of building in a revenue expectation for FY23 here. Yeah, look, we'd like to see revenue certainly coming in in FY23 uh, for us. The, the pipeline is, you know, for the product is certainly in the hundreds and uh, every day they're out there talking Ladies and gentlemen, this is the conference operator. We have temporarily lost our speakers. Please hold and we will get them back on the line.
Thank you. We now have to speakers back on the line. Uh, you, your question is from John Hester from Belfasser. Please go ahead. Hi, John. Are you still there? Thank you. Your next question is from Matthew Chevrier from City. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Michael. Good morning, McGregor. Thank you for taking my question. Um, just had a quick one with regards to upgrades. Have you encountered customers who've decided not to upgrade or to um, no longer use Trofon for any reason? Um, not to no longer use Trofon. Some of the ones that we talk about upgrades, uh, it's, it's, it's more about uh, not a situation of not wanting to upgrade. It's about getting into the budget cycle. Um, so, you know, we're confident that we can ultimately continue to grow the upgrade pool. Um, it's just a matter of uh, the, those customers ensuring that they've, they've got the necessary uh, funds built into their budgets. Yeah, understood. And, and just uh, whilst we're on that topic, um, what are you seeing from competitors? Are you seeing anything New, I mean, it's already been a few years now that this product has been launched, as, as you said. I mean, it's, you know, you're going through an upgrade cycle now. Have you seen new competitors come along or um, anything to... No, the, the competitive landscape really hasn't changed for many, many years um, across the different markets. So the, there's no new products per se um, that exist um, that have not existed for many years. So uh, that environment really hasn't changed. Yeah. Okay, thanks for that. And, and just finally, um, in terms of Audit Pro, uh, I guess John was trying to ask that question earlier. Um, perhaps what proportion of upgrade sales do you expect will, will include Audit Pro? Or is that something you're trying to, to tackle on the, uh, the upgrades? And in terms of, you know, dollars, what, what could it look like relative to uh, yeah, we're we're not we're not um, directly linking Audit Pro with the upgrades. It's sort of a standalone uh, product in and of itself. That um, um, certainly you you require Trofon too. You know when we're when we're talking to customers about Audit Pro and and they uh, once they understand the benefits of it, if they are using EPO, well then obviously we've got to talk about upgrades to the those customers, but at, at the moment we're not really, you know, joining both of those those products together. Um, the the overall opportunity for Audit Pro, however, um, it, it should be it's almost you should look at it like it's an ultrasound product rather than it's a Trofon product. In that the Audit Pro is designed to capture the data associated with every ultrasound procedure. Um, and capture the information as to whether or not that probe requires to be low-level disinfected, high-level disinfected, sterilized, etc. So in, in one sense, um, it should exist beside every ultrasound console as, as opposed to thinking about it as it's been um, beside every trophon. So it's, it's really more an ultrasound uh, product. That's how we're thinking about it. And therefore, over time, when you think of the, the volume of ultrasounds, uh, consoles that are out in the marketplace, the, the ultimate opportunity for a product like Audipro is actually quite large. Yeah, and in terms of the competitive lab landscape for that specific product, what does it look like? Um, <laughs> there are quite a number of different track and trace type systems. 
um, that exist out in the marketplace for instrument decontamination. Not that many, um, nothing really relevant in the ultrasound space and nothing really that has a inbuilt compliance and education component associated with it as well. Because what, what AudiPro does is, as I mentioned before on previous calls and in previous presentations, there are over about 150 different ultrasound procedures that confer semi-critical status on a probe. And what that means is if it's, if semi-critical status is conferred on a probe, then it should be high-level disinfected. So what AutoPro does is, is, in one sense, ensures that, that infection prevention requirements are a forethought rather than an afterthought in that the, the customer actually has to choose when knowing the procedures are about to carry out, they have to choose whether that procedure is uh, critical, semi-critical, or non-critical. And then depending on what's chosen, if it's, if it's semi-critical or critical, and they choose that, well, then it automatically links in the cloud to an associated uh, trophon cycle. And all that data then is centralized and which enables the, the customers to actually analyze and, and look at the data in real time from a compliance perspective. Thank you. That's all I have. Thank you. Your next question comes from Nairi Groves, private investor. Please go ahead. Oh, good morning. It's Nairi Groves here. I'm um, a shareholder. Uh, just a question about, you said you were moving to Macquarie Park Precinct and you're doing R&D expansion in the areas of microbiology, chemistry, engineering. Just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, what you're actually going to be researching. Yes, no, the, um So you know, when the organization started, it was over in, in a number of small units in Alexandria. And then just over five years ago, we outgrew that and moved over here to where we are today in Lane Cove which is in the old uh, Copier Global Headquarters. And five years later, we've outgrown that from an expansion perspective and have now taken two buildings over in the Macquarie Precinct on uh, Waterloo Road and Calavera Road. And um, the expansion that we're doing is not just from a headcount, but in terms of the capacity with our laboratory size um, across microbiology and, and uh chemistry and all the engineering laboratories, we're going about a threefold increase in the actual capacity for um, in those laboratories, which then enables us to to continue to expand our, our R&D efforts over time. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just wondering what you were going to be researching in microbiology, uh, chemistry, engineering. Uh, um, I guess they're, they're interrelated disciplines. So the the you know the areas that we've discussed in the past that are our, our primary areas of focus are around um, instrument cleaning, instrument decontamination, storage solutions, environmental decontamination, and there's a whole data and traceability right. components as well of infection prevention. Okay, so it's all related to you know, trophon type stuff. Uh, not, not, not necessarily. Well, trophon in one sense in that it's an instrument decontamination unit, but like Chorus is a totally new technology platform and that's not related to trophon at all. So 
it may it may leverage some of the research may leverage some of the fundamental IP that we have in some of our existing technologies, or it might be around generating new IP. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Okay, I think we're we're on the hour, so um, I think we'll we'll um, we'll call it there. And I thank you all again very much for attending the call. And uh, we'll continue to hopefully continue to grow internationally with uh, both Trofund as well as expanding our portfolio. So thank you all very much. Thank you. That does conclude our conference for today. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.